Good morning, everybody. Morning. Good morning. Let's worship together, shall we? Would you stand and sing with us, please? And one, two, three, four, and. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. I will serve the morning. It is so good to see you all this morning. Welcome to the last worship service of spring. Summer arrives at 22 hour 32 minutes this evening. Also, happy Dad's Day. If you have any prayer requests, please fill out a prayer request card found on the table in the narthex and place it in the basket. If you have not registered for riches, there's a sign-up sheet on the welcome desk as well as an order form for a riches t-shirt. If you know of someone over 60 who may need a fan but cannot afford one, please see the notice on the bulletin board outside of the bathrooms about Project Cool. As per an email from Josie Campbell regarding our communion donation, Pelotas Hills United Methodist Church has received a huge shout out from the Board of Directors for Mobility Worldwide. 
The most recent contribution was very helpful and well-timed. We had so many units that needed wheels. Your hard work and gracious giving completed 20 plus carts. Wow, what a special gift of which to be a part. We so appreciate the enthusiasm of the community and the generosity of all. Thank you so much once again. Keep up the good work of God. You are all his gifts. The scripture reading is Job 1, verses 1 to 5. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. There were born to him seven sons and three daughters. He had 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 she-asses, and very many servants, so that this man was the greatest of all the people of the East. His sons used to go and hold a feast in the house of each on his day, and they would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. And when the days of the feast had run their course, Job would send and sanctify them, and he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did continually. Loving God, we gather today to praise you. We thank you for all of the blessings of this week and for those we are yet to receive. We thank you for the gift of a new season and the reminder of your promise that it brings. Teach us that we are here to serve and not to be served. Lead us with your Holy Spirit that we would be a people who go the extra mile for those around us. May our words show others that we serve a holy God. Let the word we hear today strengthen us to go out and tell others about your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. stories of what they think you're like but I heard the tender whisper of love in the dead of night and you tell me that you're pleased and that I'm never alone you're a good good father it's who you are, it's who you are, it's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am, it's who I am, it's who I am. Now I've seen many searching for answers, far and
children's sermon. All right. Do you guys know what today is? Father's Day. It's Father's Day, right? Sunday. It's Sunday. Well, it is Sunday. That's a good answer, too. What do we do on Father's Day? We celebrate the dads in our life, right? All of the daddies in our lives. Does everybody have the same type of daddy? No, just like we discussed on Mother's Day, dads come in all forms, right? It's not blood that makes a dad. It's showing up every day in a kid's life to help raise them and guide them that makes a dad, right? And sometimes dads go by different names. They can go by daddy. They could be a stepdad. They could be an adoptive dad. They could be a grandpa, an uncle, a cousin, a friend, a neighbor, 
a coach or a teacher. There are dads all throughout our lives who will help us grow and guide us. In fact, if we look out on the congregation today, there are a whole bunch of dads out there, right? There are a whole bunch of gentlemen in this congregation who are part of your church family, part of the body of Christ that God has brought together here. And they are here to help you learn and grow. Did you know that? Yeah? Just like the moms, just like we talked about on Mother's Day. What do dads do for us? They help us. What does your daddy do at home? Does he hang out at home all day? He works a lot, right? He's gone out of the house five days a week for a long time because he works and he provides for a family. What else do daddies do? They love us. They protect us. They guide us, right? Daddies have a really important role in our life. A really important role that God gave them. He taught mommies how to nurture kids and how to love them, help them grow them. And daddies do the same thing, but daddies tend to do it in a more logical way, right? Has anybody ever had a problem where they needed to call home and talk about, and mom answers the phone, you go, oh, wait, mom, I got to talk to dad about this one, right? Because you know mom's going to get emotional about it, but dad's going to give you the logic. I know that's how it is in my family. When I have something going on that I need a level head for, I call my daddy, when there's something going on and I need somebody to back me up and be on my side, I call mom because I know she's going to get emotional with me. Did you know that we have another father? We can't really see him, but he's always with us. Do you, who, not Jesus. That's right. God, our heavenly father, is with us all of the time. And as we've been talking about the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus gave, he has, in that sermon, challenged people to have a more personal relationship with God, right? He said throughout the past couple of weeks, we've learned that it's not enough to just follow the rules or to go through the motions. It's what's inside our hearts that matter. And Jesus taught us the same thing when it came to a relationship with God. And more specifically, in today's message, he talked about how to pray. During Jesus' time, people would stand up and they would say these big, long, elaborate prayers. And they would just keep going and going and going and going, trying to see how many people would look at them and see how great they were at praying. But their prayers weren't really personal. A lot of times that they would be something that they had memorized and they would say over and over and over again. Or maybe they would be um, polite, right? And say, instead of saying, dear God, to address God, they would say, creator of all of the universe, ruler of all things. And it sounds a little bit more distant, right, than what we're used to praying. That's because when Jesus was teaching us how to pray, he taught us a new way to do it from what had been done. He said, you know what? Prayer is a conversation between you and your dad. It should be personal, right? It's that, it's that's, that's going to your dad and saying, I got a problem. I need to talk to you about it. That's what prayer is. And when he taught us how to pray, he said, he used the word Abba, which means daddy or father or papa. And people during Jesus' time thought that was really weird because they were used to giving God titles and not using his name. It was very different, and it was very personal. Jesus took prayer from being polite and reserved to warm and to loving and to an actual conversation with God. And he taught us that it's okay to talk to God that way and that God wants to hear all about everything going in your life all of the time, anytime you want to talk to him. So we're going to learn more about prayer today and spark worship, but let's bow our heads, fold our hands, close our eyes, and we'll talk to We'll talk to God right now, right? Say, dear God, thank you for being our heavenly dad who loves us and guides us. And thank you for all the earthly dads 
you sent to do the same. In your name we pray. Amen. I'll wait till they get out of here, and then I'll tell you why you bow your head and fold your hands, right? So you won't jump around and be wild, right? <laughs> God doesn't care what posture you're in when you're praying, right? As long as you're reverent. But somebody thought of that a long time ago. I mean, does it, does, is there any place in Scripture where Jesus says, bow your head, fold your hands, you know? I don't think so. In fact, often in Scripture, people pray like this, right? They hold their hands up and pray to God, right? Now, there are, you know, there are, there are examples where people, you know, bow down to God and get down on their hands and knees and all that. But anyway, enough of that. I'll start our rainbows with it is. You know, I, you know, you know me. Sometimes I get started, and it's just, it's just like stopping a freight train. I'll start our rainbows with the rainbow it is to see all of you here as uh, was mentioned in the announcements, this is our last worship service of spring, all right? It will be summer by the time we wake up in the morning. Praise the Lord for changes in seasons, right? And all that. No, it, it is a good thing. And there, and there is, as, as the Scripture tells us, you know, there's going to be changes in seasons until there's a new heaven and a new earth. That's the way God set it up, and it's going to continue that way. So, praise the Lord. Let's pray. Merciful and loving God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the change of seasons. We thank you for the celebrations of life. We thank you for all the goodness that you give us. For in you there is no darkness at all. Lord, we lift up those who need healing in their bodies, their minds, or their souls. We lift up those who have material needs anywhere. We lift up those who are in areas of war or violence. We lift up the leaders of this country and all the countries of the world that they would seek and do your will so that there would be peace on earth among your children. Lord, I ask that you open our ears and our understanding as your word is proclaimed this morning. Show each of us what we need to do to be better followers of Jesus, to live lives that reflect your love and goodness as he did. And now we pray as he taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. There's no traffic jam on the extra mile. Did y'all know that? Today we continue our sermon series on the Sermon on the Mount. And as I've established as my habit, we'll start out by reading the end of the sermon before we go into today's teaching. Consider the word of the Lord. Everyone then 
who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell and great was its fall. Our sermon text today, we continue in Matthew chapter 5. Again, the Sermon on the Mount, of course, is Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. And that's also our homework for the month. I hope all of you are reading through Matthew 5, 6, and 7 repeatedly until it, uh, until it sinks in, until it sinks into all of us. I've been reading it repeatedly for many years, and it's beginning to have some effect. But, uh, you know, but we have to be intentional. We have to be intentional about everything we do in life, right? And every, everything that we have, any of us have ever done, a goal we've set, something we want to accomplish, something that we want to see fulfilled, we have to be intentional about it. And it's no different being a follower of Jesus. And of course, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount is preaching about what Jesus always preached about, the kingdom of God and the availability of the kingdom of God to everyone right now, today. I'll be starting at verse 33 in chapter 5 and finish the chapter. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not swear falsely, but carry out the vows you have made to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is, foot, is his footstool. Or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let your word be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything more than this comes from the evil one. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. But if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your coat, give your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, Go also the second mile. Give to everyone who begs from you, and do not refuse anyone who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, 
so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. The word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. Please be in prayer with me and for me. Gracious and loving God, God who only gives good and desires good for all of your children. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So, again, let me lay a a little bit of foundation here. What I believe Jesus is trying to teach us here and try to teach everybody is how we can have a transformed heart through our relationship with God. You see, on our own, we fall short. We always will. But with God's help, we can do all of these things that Jesus is talking about. And again, Jesus isn't trying to get us to keep the law, per se. What Jesus wants to teach us is to have a heart so that we naturally do the righteous thing. And also, lest there be any confusion, I don't believe that Jesus has given us another new list of commandments here. He's not. He's giving us illustrations on what a transformed kingdom heart looks like and how a transformed kingdom heart acts. I'll just, you know, we'll we'll start at the first here. Pretty good place to start, right? I'm thinking about Julie Andrews now. But anyway, anyway, uh, Jesus is talking about keeping your word. But he says, don't swear, right? Don't swear. Now, again, some people have taken this legalistically, and when we take things legalistically, we always get in trouble. And they'll say, well, I don't swear. I will affirm, right? You know, so, I mean, what's the difference? You're just, you're, you know, you're just playing a semantics game. Jesus doesn't expect us not to, or I don't believe Jesus doesn't expect us not to do normal things. If you're called, if you're called into a courtroom and the judge says, you know, you know, raise your hand and all that, I don't think Jesus is telling us not to do that. He's not telling us not to enter into regular business agreements or things like that. But again, he's trying to teach us what a kingdom heart does, right? Psalm 15 verse 4 says what? 
it says, those who dwell on the Lord's hill will keep their word even to their own hurt, right? Or, as Numbers of 23:19 says, remember, we're all created in God's image. Numbers 23:19 says, God is not a man that he should lie, or the son of man that he should repent. Okay? If we reflect God and we act like God, then when we say yes, we mean yes. When we say no, we mean no. And we do it. And we do it. There's the rub. And there shouldn't, there shouldn't really be any reason for Christian people to do any more than that. The old sort of handshake deal, right? If, if, uh, if you're a follower of Jesus and you say you're going to do something, you do it. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's really that simple. And here's the other deal. Here's the other deal. What, what's happening? What's really happening if somebody goes through all sorts, of, all sorts of gyrations and they say, well, I'd swear on a stack of Bibles or, you know, my mother's grave or whatever, whatever their deal is. What are they doing? They're trying to manipulate you. That's what they're doing. They're really trying to manipulate you. They're trying to make you believe that there's something that they're not. Okay? Think about it. One of my least favorite locutions in the English language that I hear often, and some of you may use it, and if I offend you, well, good. Uh, you know, it's, it's, when, it's, it's when somebody says, honestly. Really? So everything else you've told me is not honest? All of a, all of a sudden you're going to come clean with me? You know? No. That's ridiculous. I should, be, I should be able to believe what you tell me all the time. You don't need to try and manipulate my thought process to get me to think you're trustworthy. If you're trustworthy, you're trustworthy. If you're not, you'll go through all sorts of songs and dances to make me think that you are. It's, 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 really, it's really that simple. As Jesus tells us time and time again, you know, you know a tree by its fruit. It's not complicated. It's not complicated. But where are we today? We have deteriorated to the point where pick an issue in life. If you want to do it, you get a contract that's three pages long, right? With all the fine print. Okay? This is evil. It really is. It really is. But we, have, we live in a system where we have grown to believe that that's, well, that's business. And that's what you have to do, right? No. No, you don't. And Jesus is trying to teach us that. Jesus is trying to teach us that there, you know. James reiterates it in uh, chapter 5. You know, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Any more than this is evil. 
That's what it is. It's just evil. Just do it. A transformed heart, an extra mile heart, doesn't try to control people with language. That's what Jesus is teaching us here. And then he says what? He says, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, right? At the time, that was really a pretty merciful deal because people wouldn't just trade blow for blow or like kind for like kind, however you want to look at it. The world was more savage than that then as it is today, right? And Jesus says, no. He says, don't resist an evil doer, okay? What, what he's saying is, is don't retaliate. Don't retaliate, okay? And again, this is tricky. And again, we're to be as wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Jesus is always teaching us that the kingdom of God is at hand. It's available if we'll take part in it. And the first place we take part in that is with the people that we have relationships with, that we're dealing with all the time. Jesus knew what Isaac Newton figured out later, right? You know, that for every reaction there's an equal and opposite, or for every action there's an equal and opposite reaction right so he says if somebody pops you in the cheek and you pop them back then they're going to hit you harder and you're going to hit them harder and pop them. and we see this around us all the time right do we not see this i mean the 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 news is filled with it how many people are going to be killed this weekend in cities from different types of violence right how many i don't know too many that's how many, but it's because we have failed as a church, as followers of Christ, to get the message out there adequately that you don't make things better by hurting other people. And it comes in a variety of forms and a variety of shapes. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. What are we doing as a society, as a country, as most countries of the world? If we look around us, what's going on? I believe what's going on is we're saying there's no moral authority. And if you believe there's a moral authority, then that moral authority comes from us, right? From human beings, okay? Our fundamental problem is what we try to set up as moral authority is based on the creature, not the creator. And we think that we are smart enough to figure it out. And again, pick an area of life. I don't care what it is. Pick an area of life. We think we're doing it better. You know, this may seem like an odd track to go off on, but some of you in here are old enough to remember because I know, because I know some of you are older than me. 
what do you say? Do you say, I'm going to the gas station or I'm going to a service station? Doesn't matter. There's not a right answer or a wrong answer, but I can remember going to the service station. You didn't get out of your car. You pulled in. And someone would come up to your car and they would say, regular or Ethel, right? You know? And they would fill your car up. They would check the oil. They would clean your windshield off. They would check the pressure in your tires, right? You would hand them some money or a credit card, which was for the service station, right? You didn't buy everything in the world with it. You bought gas from that particular type of service station from it, you know? You had a, an Exxon card or a Chevron card or whatever else, and that's what it was used for. Just a thought. Now, we also, when I was a child, we'd go shopping sometimes in Amarillo, and a lot of times when we'd go shopping, we would go to the cafeteria, right? after we'd been shopping to eat, right? Some of you, too, probably remember this. What happened when you got to the end of the cafeteria line? Somebody, somebody, took, your, somebody took your tray, right? Somebody took your tray at the end of the line and took it to a table for you. And they set it down and put your, put your smaller plates with your food on it, like you get at a cafeteria, on the table, right? Or if you went into a department store and you got on an elevator, there was somebody operating the elevator, wasn't there? Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not, I'm not trashing technology. But I think when we did those things, we had more of an extra mile heart. And we saw it demonstrated around us in places, Right? Now, of course, when, and, and now you say, well, what's this got to do with retaliation? And Jesus lumps it in there. I didn't do it, right? See, in Jesus' day, he lived in an occupied territory. The Romans occupied his country, right? And it was the law. It was the law that if a Roman soldier asked you to carry a burden a mile you had to do it. It was the law. Jesus says what? He says, you know, if the centurion or one of his hundred men come up and ask you to carry something a mile, just say, hey, you need me to carry it another mile? I'll be happy to, right? See, an extra mile heart tries to do goodness it tries to show goodwill, even though there may be a legal obligation there. It tries to show goodwill. It's not vulnerable. And it tries to be helpful. Again, Jesus isn't saying if somebody walks up to you and says, would you help me take this someplace? that every time something like that happens, you have to. There are people, make no mistake, and Jesus, Jesus knew too, but again, he's teaching principles here. There are people who will take advantage of you, that you shouldn't let them take advantage of you, but that's not the point. 
an extra mile heart is a helpful heart. When I was, I don't know, I think I was about 15, I was in Mexico City one day, and I was looking for a particular, there, there, was, a, there was a place down there that made, I don't know what the proper term to use would be, because modern isn't, you know, modern doesn't mean what a lot of people think it means. Modern is something that's past now. It was a stylized version of the Last Supper that was done. Real, real pretty thing. And I'd seen one someplace that a friend of ours or somebody had, and they said, oh, we got that at this particular store in Mexico City. So out there on the street, and there's a man there, I asked directions. I say, do you know where you know, this particular place is where you can get these kind of things? And he said, yes, I do. And he, he, and he, he, he even he gave the address, and then he thought about it. And then you know what he did? He knew I was a dumb kid, right, that, that didn't know where I was or anything else. He took me there, right? I didn't ask him to take me there. He took me there. He had an extra mile heart, and it made an impression on me. You see, that's the other thing. When people see you demonstrating an extra mile heart, it makes an impression on them. They see the reflection of God's love. They see it, and it means something to them. Then Jesus goes on here, and, he, and, he, and you know, here's the, uh, the piece de resistance, right? He says, love your enemies, right? Pray for those who persecute you. Wow. And, of course, this is where, again, most people lose it. But he says, he says again, this is how the kingdom of God becomes manifest. When you have a heart that acts like God's heart. God doesn't get up in the morning and say, well, you know, the people in Elotus have been pretty good for the most part, so I'm going to let the sun shine over there today, right? No. You know, the sun shines on everybody. See, see, here's the deal. And again, this is what Jesus is trying to teach us. God can't do anything but give good gifts. Be generous and be abundant and be graceful. God can't do anything else. And Jesus says, if you're a citizen of the kingdom of God... That's the law of the land, and that's the way to be. Again, he's not giving specific examples, you know. As, as he told in the other one, you know, if somebody sues you for your, uh, your coat, you give them your cloak too. Again, he's not telling us to be legalistic. He's trying to teach us that with God's help, it's always with God's help, we can have a transformed heart. We can have a transformed heart. And a transformed, extra-mile heart has a purpose other than taking care of myself. Its purpose is to reflect God's love to everyone. Amen? Now go in peace.
And as you go in peace, as you go this week, go the extra mile. If somebody just suggests that something would make their life better, just do it for them. Just do it. And think about what Jesus would do. Remember, we can't do what Jesus did. Jesus had a unique purpose and job description. But Jesus wants us to have transformed hearts that act out of love. Now go with the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the unity of the Holy Spirit. Amen. strong